Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The Beach Boys confirmed they're heading to Super Carnival. Good, good beer, great girls, <laughs> fantastic beaches. What's not to like? Along with the Indy 500 winner. Oh. Up until 10 laps to go, it was pretty relaxed, and then all hell broke loose with fuel saving and stuff. And And the teams go testing. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Most Victorian teams tested on Monday at Winton with the focus on getting their engine packages right for the next Hidden Valley round. Kelly say they're confident that they'll be on the pace with Rick Kelly having used the camshaft in both Queensland and Winton. Kelly Racing used the day to blood endurance drivers Johnny Reid, Dale Wood and Glenn Seaton. Jason Bright took a holistic view to the change of camshaft for the V8 supercars which he and his Red Jones Racing teammate trialled on Monday, saying that the change would reduce the aggressive lift on the valves. This should increase the engine life. While Jason Richards, sporting a newly broken nose, courtesy of playing with the kids, thought that the change was barely noticeable to the driver, but will require a lot of work from engine tuners to ensure they are still on the pace. Both drivers are confident that they would be in contention at Hidden Valley. HRT shook down the new cars that they'll be taking for their race debut in Darwin. The cars numbered 12 and 13 replaced the existing rides. Both drivers reportedly happy with the day. This is the first new car Will Davison has ever had in his V8 supercar career and he's hoping it will turn his lacklustre season around. In brief, FPR also tested with Richo Frosty and Dumbrell joined by their endurance co-drivers. Next Monday, the testing will continue with Gary Rogers Motorsports slated to be heading to Winton with their co-drivers Greg Ritter and David Bernard. Diego Montanero got his first laps of a V8 supercar at Winton on Monday. Centaur Racing, using the day to test equipment, give Shane Price a few laps to settle into the car and also allow D'Alberto's Gold Coast 600 driver an opportunity to drive the Commodore while on a break from his World Touring Car commitments. In Queensland, series champion Jamie Wincup tested Greg Murphy's Commodore last week. The test to give Paul Morris Motorsport team a baseline to compare their own setup with Wincup as the steerer. Alex Davison and Shane Van Gisbergen swapped cars at Stone Brothers Racing's test. The Giz has had great speed and consistency this year. The team is hoping to get Davison up to speed before he heads back to Darwin, the scene of his best result in 2009. 
Craig Lowndes has been announced as the Suzuki ambassador this week. While the car of the future will be mandatory from 2013, the team's forum last week elected to a phased rollout of the new car, with many of the control components being adopted by 2012s. Teams will be allowed to start running their new car then, but it is thought that championship frontrunners will stay with their tried and true rides while their teammates look after the development work. Ford's Chris String has told its three sponsored teams that they will possibly not be getting any extra money when their contracts are renewed. Ford have said that they will be maintaining their current level of sponsorship and teams may find that they get a different percentage amount of that total pie. For Jim Beam Racing, who this year have both cars in the top 10, it could prove to be a good bonus, although FBR and SBR are not sitting back confident they'll be at the front by year's end. Well, as I said at the top of the show, the Beach Boys will be playing on the Gold Coast during Super Carnival. Mike Love was on hand at the announcement this week. The Armour All Gold Coast 600 with this rock and race format is going to be really exciting. Racing during the day, rocking at night. It's going to be fantastic. And so will Dario Franchitti, who last weekend won the Indianapolis 500 for a second time. After going away for a couple of free year, win the championship and I win the Indy 500. Thank you, thank you to everybody at Team Target and uh, I'm, I'm done your speechless right now. It'll be interesting to see the defending IRL champion and the Indy 500 winner teaming up with James Courtney in the Armour Oil 600. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Tony Shebecki and Bryony Ingerson will be along. I hope you stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8 Supercar TV, it's Bryony Ingerson. Good evening, Bryony. Hi, how are you? Going, Thanks for having me. Going very well, as is SEN's own On The Grid, Tony Shebecki, and I've got to say, loved your work during the week. Uh, you're all over Jason Ackermanis, whether he's going to stay or go, and of course, you had the Israel Falau debacle down there in Melbourne to deal with as well. Oh, it's been a very busy week, Craig. Thanks for having us on, though. Looking forward to it. Bryony, good evening to you. Good evening, Tony. Good to be back. It is. Guys, new engines or Engines with new camshafts primarily are being tested all this week. Kelly's are saying, well, we've been doing it for months now. Is is anyone really going to be surprised by the uh, engines, Tony, or what these engines are going to do with the new camshaft? I don't think from the public side uh, that we'll be surprised. There's a little bit of a drop in horsepower, we're being told, but I think where the, the main uh, benefit will be is that the cars are going to be able to stay on the track much longer. 
from what we're hearing is that the uh, the engine life will be a, a lot longer due to the the valve train and the like it being a lot easier on the valve train with the, the new camshaft. So hopefully that means the cars stay out there on the track a lot longer. Hopefully for the teams it means they get to spend less money uh, on new engines and can start to put that into uh, R&D and make their cars a lot faster. Bronnie, we don't see a lot of blow-ups these days, do we? Well, I don't know, do we? I feel like we've seen our fair share of them so far this year. Um, the question that I would ask is whether the, the new control camshaft is actually going to change teams still chasing the fuel economy, which is the big thing that they've been doing all year. And, and I don't think it will. I think that the control camshaft will extend the engine life. It'll, it'll make uh, less aggressive wear on the valve train. But I think teams uh, are competitive up and down pit lane, and I think that we're still going to see them pushing the envelope to get the fuel economy and the camshaft might give them an extra one or two laps so the the previous one didn't but you're going to have teams pushing to get an extra three laps or an extra four laps so I think it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, over the next couple of rounds how it does pan out. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to solve the fuel economy problem though Bryony E85 as much as I like the idea of it and, and you know the greenness of it and all that sort of stuff I think it's just causing massive headaches for these guys to get their head around. But guess what? It's good because now they've got to go in and get fuel. It makes the whole point of having a pit stop a, a real point. And I'm all for the uh, the vagaries of this new fuel, even though I'm going, well, I haven't seen a Bowser in and around my local area for uh, E85 yet. Yeah, so I agree. And I think the, the 250k races... Um, I love them because I think we have a real... Uh, it's not a manufactured result. It's not um, artificial. They actually do need to come in to get fuel to make it to the end of the race and we see that they can choose to do a two or a three stop. Um, it just brings back a bit more reality to the whole mm. racing and I really, really enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to the next 250k race, which we don't have, I don't think, until... Uh, the end of the year, I think now. Um, but I don't know if it's so much the fuel as in the formats and the rules and regulations around that and obviously the smaller uh, fuel cell that we're running at the moment. So I think there's a whole lot of things which could be uh, changed or modified to to make the racing, to spice it up a bit. I don't think the fuel is really uh, the issue. We've spoken about this before. Soft tyres, bring them in for every race. It is uh, certainly the talking point at the moment. I've got to say, uh, the 250 race does seem to be more of a uh, challenge. We saw at Clipsal uh, that uh, even the drivers said it was a more interesting and it was a, a more vibrant race. I have to say, I still tr struggle with the Saturday race format. I'm going, we've got more airtime on Channel 7 on Saturday. Why don't we put our you know, the big one on Saturday where there's plenty more time to air it. Bryony? Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of a traditional where Sunday's race day um, and I think in most other most sport events, the big race is always the final race of any weekend. Mm. Um, I think, though, that they've made some work we can do in varying the formats or trying something different on, on a Saturday. I think they've gone the right way so far this year with the sprint tyre in making it on both race days and using it the whole time, I think that eliminates so much of that confusion we had last year where you didn't watch on Saturday. We turned on, on Sunday. Like, well, how come my favourite 25th and 
you know, three seconds behind everyone else because it made it very confusing to keep up with who had used the sprint car and who hadn't. So I think in that way they're going along the right way in terms of making both uh, Saturday and Sunday quite equal in terms of points and race formats. But I have digressed. We were talking about camshafts, and <laughs> I, I did like, uh, particularly from Brad Jones Racing, where we had two very different ways of looking at the world. Jason Richards was going, well, didn't really notice much as a driver, but it's really going to be the engine tuner that's going to have the biggest problem. And Jason Bright, on the other hand, who's obviously still in team owner mode, going, well, it's going to do this to the cost and it's reducing this much wear on the valve train. And he was really looking at the dollars and cents and it was so diametrically opposed the way they were viewing the world. It was very interesting, Tony. Yeah, look, and there's going to be varying arguments from uh, from all teams. It's the same as, you know, we've got varying arguments about soft tyres. Everyone outside of the sport seems to think that it's the way to go, but there's still some teams that say, no, we don't want it, it just doesn't work for us. So this will work for some, it won't work for others. I think the fact that the Cali guys have been actually running it for the last couple of meets in Todd's car could just give him that little bit of an advantage. He might be one to watch. Certainly they have uh, come out this week, Bryony, and said that, they are confident because they've got three races under the belt with it that they're going to be hitting the ground running. Well, I think they will too, but also don't discount SPR. I mean, they have used it in James Moffat's Fujitsu car for a couple of rounds, so they've got some data under their belt. And um, also Craig Lowndes ran it at Hinton. So I think there's a few teams that have got the edge or gained an advantage, at least some some data that they might be able to relate to Darwin. But... uh, whether that's much of an advantage, I think we'll have to wait and see because Darwin, as we know, is a whole different ball game altogether. Um, but, yeah, good on the Kellys and some of the other teams for taking the initiative and, and getting out early and giving it a go. Mm-hmm. Is if they've been using it in James Moffat's car and if that's any indication of how the FPR cars may go with... Uh, because James <laughs> has been doing too well, then they ain't going to have a good time. A fuel economy. He ran out of fuel in a, uh, what, a three-format race meeting. It's certainly... Uh, Certainly an interesting one. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We're back with plenty more after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lowndes from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where Tony Shebecki and Bryony Ingerson join me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, from camshafts, we uh, move on because Ford have certainly come out and said... Uh, Ford teams, the three that are sponsored by us, we've got the same amount of money to spend, but we might be splitting it up differently. And uh, as I said in the news, with uh, Jim Beam Racing having two cars in the top ten, they might be feeling like there might be some additional money coming their way from the uh, Blue Oval Brigade there, Bryony. Well, I think it's great. I think that we need more of this. Um, obviously, the manufacturers aren't involved with every team and to the level that they used to be, but why not? Why not leverage your involvement or at least create controversy or get people talking about it, which is exactly what we're doing right now. And 
I think uh, Charlie and Dick from Jim Beam Racing would be sitting there thinking, well, bring it on, <laughs> because they've got the momentum and they've got the confidence. But we are still less than halfway through the season, so uh, I wouldn't count. I wouldn't <laughs> count their extra cash just yet. I would like to see if Ford say they've got $5 million or whatever it might be, that they allocate the money for next year based on where the cars finish this year. So if James Courtney ends up being the best Ford of the lot, then he gets, I don't know, 30% or, or you know, his car is allocated you know, 25% of the pool and it works its way down and they maybe do it on a top 10 scale where even the, the teams who aren't currently supported by Ford but they're still running a Ford get some sort of advantage for doing that or some sort of incentive for doing that. That might be a way that the boys could look at it. But definitely FPR on notice. They've had a shocking, a torrid time in 2010, haven't they? Frosty's been thereabouts but hasn't been able to, to complete and go through and win. Richo's just had, you know, not the best of seasons at all. Chewy's, uh, they've really been showing up. They have been, and it's been interesting to watch how they've reacted because Frosty Bryony had such a great start to the year when you guys were all over in uh, the Middle East. <laughs> They were uh, they were the second best team out there. Well, they were, and it's, it's, we were all kind of left wondering where that momentum went. Um, and they seem to still have a qualifying pace. Well, Frost in particular, I mean, he still seems to be able to pull something special out for a top ten or a front row start. But converting that into a race win or matching the pace of the Courtney's and the Wing Cups at the moment is where they're being really let down. But I, I did hear that they had quite a good test the other day at Winton Raceway. They spent some time there and they feel that they've found a bit of the speed that they feel that they'd lost throughout the course of the year. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they, they fire up for Darwin because we, who doesn't love Frosty and Richo? They're two of the great ambassadors for the sport and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that would love nothing more to, to see the team get a small win under the belt and I think one small win leads to another and then we'll gain the momentum back and Come Bathurst, they could be up there challenging for a Bathurst win again. Hey, it's interesting. Paul Dumbrell has really shown uh, shown his other teammates up with the three car team there at FBR now, hasn't he, Tony? Yeah, he has, and we keep forgetting about poor old Paul over there at uh, at Campbellfield as well. Look, he's doing a great uh, a great job this year. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I don't know where does it lead for next year. I mean. As much as I hate to say it, and I really do hate to say it, you know, the, the pressure's on Richo. There's no doubt about that. He needs to start getting some really consistent results. Otherwise, they've got the opportunity of bringing uh, Dumbrell in as the, the second main driver behind Frosty. And then, uh, obviously, you know, all the, all the focus has been on James Moffat as well, too, and what he can do uh, in regards to his uh, Fujitsu run this year and then hopefully converting that into a full-time drive next year should they decide to take that run. Yeah, Great for Paul Dumbrell too. Will he stay in the sport though? That's the big question. I mean, we know now that he's been handed over the reins of the Autobahn franchise and there's so much work for him to do there. Will that overtake what he needs to do to be a full-time V8 supercar driver? It's going to be interesting to see whether those two can mix. Yeah, Brownie, it's been interesting. Uh, I know Peter Norton had a long chat with Paul Dumbrell earlier in the year and, and Paul has got such a, a diverse amount of uh, work that he is doing, not just at Autobahn, but his uh, property portfolios and so on. He uh, he doesn't really stop. No, absolutely. He's probably one of the busiest V8 supercar drivers there is out there. But I, I personally hope that he doesn't quit the sport. Um, I think he's got so much more to give, and this year has been such a, a crucial step for him. I think he's really hit his sides 
with the new team. Maybe it's the change to Ford. Who knows? He's been in a Holden for so long. But every time I run into him at the racetrack, he's just got such a positive vibe about him. He's really motivated. And I think it would be a shame to see someone like him leave the sport so soon. I think I'd really like to see what he can do in the next couple of years. And the great thing about it is, uh, for Paul, he has been probably the most maligned driver in V8 supercars for the last five or six years, and that was due to results, and he knows that. A, a lot of people, and I've spoken to Paul about this on air, the fact that, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, you, you're lucky you're there, you've got Dad's money, that's the reason why you're getting a drive, the, the, you know, the, the performances are there, how long will he last? It is just so fantastic to see what he's been able to do in the last 18 months in regards to turning that all around, and tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that I reckon have egg on their face. Yeah, it's interesting. He was the original member of what was uh, described by some as the Lucky Sperm Club. But uh, I'll tell you what, he has just, uh, he just shown that he is a genuine driver and he's shown a lot of spirit this year. And his mind obviously is on business. And uh, perhaps now where he is so focused on business, getting to the racetrack is becoming a bit more pleasurable and he's not feeling the stress like he did in his other gigs. I must say, I've never heard that term used before, Craig. That was quite an interesting term of phrase, the Lucky Sperm Club. Yes, <laughs> I, I picked that one up from uh, a couple of FPR co-drivers <laughs> earlier in the year, and uh, I thought I'd run with it as often as yeah, I no, could. please do. Well, if Paul needs, any hand, he needs a hand with his other activities, he can hand over his property portfolio to me. Yeah, oh, hell. Exactly. <laughs> And look, the great thing for Paul is, is that V8 supercar driving might just be that release that he needs from his normal day-to-day activity, and he might appreciate that release so much that that is the reason why he might be doing so well this year, because it's just something totally different to what he does 12, 15 hours a day. And it's it's an environment as well. You, I, I think about uh, some of the conversations going on in the United States at the moment, and there's a fellow called Jamie McMurray who won the Daytona 500 earlier this year, and he's at Chip Ganassi Racing now and is running up the front again. He got his first break with Chip Ganassi. He went off to Roush Racing and was an also-randler, and people were going lucky to be in the seat. He's come back to Chip, Chip Ganassi, and he's back up the front again. Some people just fit into different places differently. And I guess uh, you could say about Will Davison, he looks so much more comfortable at Jim Beam Racing, Bryony. <laughs> well, yeah, he did. But then, look, he was a runner-up in the championship last year, yeah. so he didn't have an altogether bad year. Um, oh, look, poor Will, I'm really feeling for him this year. I've had quite a number of chats with him, and he, he's quite a loss to, to really understand why he's wherever he is in the championship. He's just so frustrated and... He's definitely the type of person that expects a lot from himself, not only because obviously he's in a, a factory Holden team, so there must be a lot of expectation placed on him, but he's just really driven and really a driver that wants to do well. And, um, yeah, I, he, he just says, look, I know I haven't just stopped learning how to drive, like I, I've had a drive still. So they're really, uh, they're really struggling there at HRT to, to get a package together that can put him back up the front. Can we can we blame diversification for this? As you said, Will Will can drive. We all know that. Second in the championship last year, he's proven time in and time out that he is a very solid driver. Is it the fact that maybe HRT have spread themselves a little bit thinner now, running four cars on a constant basis and trying to get everyone competitive, that maybe they're missing out on the fact that they should have maybe just focused on getting a couple of cars competitive? Well, 
It's an interesting one, and I'm certainly hoping for Will's sake that he's in WR012 and not 013, because that omen might not uh, be good news for him going into Darwin and the rest of the season. But uh, it is an interesting point that they have gone on a big customer program, and as Roland Dane says, he's an engineering company, and their engineering is their race, you know, race cars and their race technology. So... If they've if they built their business around supplying customers and Walkinshaw Racing is a customer or HRT's a customer of Walkinshaw Racing, then is there any difference between being Centaur Racing or being HRT? I think it's easier to focus your attention if you have a look at the teams that are running up the top of the championship. They're two-car teams, aren't they, with Jim Beam Racing and with, uh, with Team Vodafone. You have a look at the teams that are running three or four cars and there definitely seems to be some sort of gap. I mean, I think with, with definitely with the Callies, their theory was if we're going to run three, we might as well run four because it doesn't cost you any... It doesn't cost you much more on race day. You get the car sponsored off. You've got an extra spot in the transporter anyway, so you might as well fill that up with another car. Maybe it's not the model. Bronnie, your mm. thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I don't think we should write HRT off or Walkinshaw Racing altogether. I mean, Garth Tander has one of the races so far this year and has been consistently fast. I mean, obviously he's had some bad luck, but most of them have. Um, I just, yeah, I just think it's just like the setup of a car. It's just such a finite thing that can make all the difference. And I think that applies not only for the mechanics of the cars, but the, the team personnel. And I think it's just probably quite easy to slip into that oh, where are we? We're lost. How do we find our way back? And the motivation gets down and then you start overanalyzing things. And I just think it's really quite easy to, to get down and that affects the whole the whole team. And it might just take one small win, like for, for Will to grab a pole position to, to kick-start the turnaround. So um, I, I don't think we should write them off just yet. I think Will, though, is doing everything he can <laughs> to get himself back up there and it must be so frustrating when he sees his teammate well when he's not colliding into him uh beating him on the track yeah that's right and uh, i guess one of the interesting things that we can't underestimate is that uh, rob crawford swapped the engineers at hrt this year and and that swap is always a big learning curve for both drivers yep. and uh Perhaps the, you know, you, you've got to work hand in glove as an engineer and a, and a driver, and uh, perhaps the uh, it's a left hand and a right hand glove at the moment. Yeah, and if I can just clarify my position, I wasn't writing off HRT totally. I was just writing off their ability to maybe run four cars successfully. I'm just not sure whether teams that are going in that direction are going to be able to have four competitive cars on the track. I just, I think you just spread your resources too thin. Mm. Guys, we need to do gas and go, but it'll have to be after the break on the white flag lap. This is the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders as the white flag lap this week is Gas and Go. Brian Ingerson and Tony Shebecki are going to be under the pump here with five questions in three minutes' time, starting from now. Brian Ingerson, it is the Indy 500 winner heading to the Gold Coast. I guess it's like the 70s when the Indy 500 winner used to come down here to race. Of course, in that case, it was Speedway. Exactly, and uh, look, I am so excited. I think Dario Franchitti winning the Indy 500 was one of the best things that could have happened for the Gold Coast event. I mean, sadly, it wasn't Brian Briscoe all-wheel power, but it's just made it that much more interesting to have some really... uh, He was a big name already, but to have the current Indy 500 winner competing on the Gold Coast gives so much more credibility to the event. I think it's going to increase interest overall in the event, and I, for one, I, I, I can't wait. I was initially quite against the concept. I didn't see how it was going to work, but now, bring on October, for sure. No doubt about that. It is like the 70s or 80s. We've got the Beach Boys playing the headline act. <laughs> so it's really gone back to the future. There's no doubt about that on the Saturday night there at the Gold Coast. Uh, interesting, though, uh, we've got Frank Ketty, who we know his, his ability to drive anything is going to be fantastic. If James Courtney's still in a position to challenge for the championship at the Gold Coast, which I'm assuming he will be, I don't think things will go that bad for him, expect Frank Ketty to drive with Steve Johnson. I could not see them throwing a guy who has never really stepped into a V8 supercar to tackle the streets of surface and possibly wreck the championship for James Courtney. Mm. It won't happen. It's going to be an interesting one. Ashley Judd being here is also going to get the big tick from a few of the fans <laughs> as well. Uh, Tony, with Moffat having a shocker this season in the Fujitsu Series, does it give Stephen Richards a bit more breathing space? Yeah, we spoke about this just before, didn't we? Uh, look, I don't think Richo's fully washed up at the moment, uh, and I don't think he was at the start of the year, I think, contrary to what a lot of people were saying. But really, as I said earlier, he needs to start getting some consistent results week in and week out in this championship. Otherwise, I believe his contract's up this year. They may look for a younger talent, and that could be to Richo's detriment. But, yeah, you know, James has to pull his finger out too. I mean, as you said, a lot of things haven't happened for him this year, and uh, it's not just gonna, he's not just going to get it handed to him on a platter. Bronnie? Well, look, the one thing I can't wait for is to see them both racing potentially together... At Bathurst and Philip uh, Island, because at this stage, Moffat is slated to drive with Steve Richards in endurance races, so maybe that'll be the test that we all need to see well, who really deserves to be in the number six car for the rest of the year and or next year. Bryony, you uh, mentioned it before, Red Bull and HRT. They seem to be taking a few race notes off each other, uh, particularly the Winton ones. Look, I think that was just a, it was a bad call by both Will and Garth, and I'm sure it hasn't done the team any favours. But look, it, it happens quite often. I think they just both got the raw end of the deal. Um, obviously, we've seen Craig and Jamie having to, to uh, listen to team orders, or Jamie's been said, you know, let Craig pass, he's faster than you, I'll get him back later. So I think that all up and down pit lane, there's a little bit of team orders, team rivalry, you know, you always want to be your teammates, always the first person you want to be. For HRT, sadly, though, it, it hasn't been the year for them, and that was just uh, a nail in the coffin, so to speak. Mm. And well, we saw it uh, with Jensen Button and Lewis Hamilton. You can race. Teammates can race each other and make sure things don't happen. I mean, what they did 10 or, 10 or so laps after uh, the Weber incident was amazing. It was a fantastic challenge, and Hamilton, of course, came out on top. I concur totally with Mark Webber about what happened last weekend. 
an effing disaster. End yeah. of story. <laughs> <laughs> Will swapping the cars help Alex Davison get some of the Giz's speed, Tone? Something needs to help Alex Davison get some speed. Shane Van Gisbergen is one of the best young talents going around. I think we've said that for the last couple of years. He's finally got the opportunity now to do something with a, with a really, really good team. Uh, no doubt about that. Stone Brothers have proven time in and time out that they can fight for a championship. They've won plenty themselves. Uh, yeah, Alex needs something. Let's hope that this could be the turnaround for him and the Irwin team. Ronnie? Yeah, look, I agree. I don't know if we can place too much on, on those couple of laps that he did. After all, he did admit himself it was only two or three laps, and they have done it before. Uh, it's not something unusual. But, yeah, I would really like to see uh, Alex find something extra to get him back up. And that's always the hardest thing in a team is if you are always consistently running in the top five and you're in the top 15 or 20, looks bad for you. If you're both in the top 20... Well, kind of a bit of the emphasis is taken off of you as an individual. So uh, I'm hoping that they can find something, turn it around, maybe a new car later on in the year might help. Well, Bryony, final question now is to you, and it is, with the Beach Boys playing in excess, does this mean we are not seeing the pink explosion we expected in V8 supercars? Well, we might have to wait until later on in the year, perhaps, for pink. Uh, interesting choice, Beach Boys. I only know one of their hits, so I don't know if I'll be racing along to the concert. I'll loan you my iPod. It's got about 20 on it. I think, I think the other night's entertainment is much more my demographic when we have uh, the pot bellies and much more of the younger. System. Sneaky sound system, all those types of people. I think that the uh, the noise works and the baby animals and the Beach Boys night. The angels. Drums. And the angels, well, then maybe that's a bit more for you guys. You, you guys can go along and let me know how it went. Hey, I couldn't. I The sneaky sound system set blew away the presets at Sydney. Don't be putting <laughs> me in Tony Shebeki's mob. Hey, Bryony, I've only got one thing to say to you. Am I ever going to see your face again? <laughs> no way. Guys, thanks very much. That's the white flag lap on the V8 Insiders this week, brought to you by V8X Magazine. Thanks for joining us, Bryony. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thanks, guys. Really enjoy it. And also, Tony, we've got to get the gratuitous plug-in for On The Grid. Yeah, Sunday morning, 7 till 8. If you can't hear us here in Melbourne on 1116 SEN, you can always catch it on the internet live stream on www.sen.com.au. It's been a little bit quiet the last couple of weeks. There haven't been much V8 stuff, but uh, we've had plenty of other things to keep us interested, no doubt. I'm sure you'll be covering all the racing from the Memorial Weekend last weekend in the United States too. Guys, thanks for joining us as the Checker Flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.